0: have tuned into geek elite radio good luck
1: what if you found a portal to a parallel universe what if you could slide into a thousand different worlds where it's the same year and you're the same person but everything else is different and what if you can't find your way home
0: Welcome back for another issue of Imagine If. It is a very, very big day in comic books, Chris.
1: Yeah, we hit 1,000 episodes now. <laughs> 1,000 episodes. Did you know that? I mean, who who didn't see this coming? Let's see that big asterisk. We'll pull a Deadpool oh. when they counted up all the appearances. <laughs> and then they said, yeah, it's 1,000. But no, yeah, this is insane. Action Comics 1,000. I am doing air hands in that
0: (laughs) (laughs) And it works out great for an audio podcast. (laughs) But no, yeah, everybody, I mean, anybody who's ever picked up a comic book, who's ever gone and watched a superhero movie, watched superhero TV shows, you should be excited about, even if you don't read Superman, even if you don't like Superman, like as a character, because, you know. Uh, He's not for everyone. He's not for everyone. And you and I, we've been big superman fans for a very long time and and, 79 years (laughs) uh, all of them but i I mean i feel like i I don't feel i don't want i'm I'm not trying to turn this into a negative podcast or anything but i feel like a lot of times i have to defend superman to people like people oh he's too overpowered you know i can't relate to him it's like well i really feel like you're not giving him a chance then you're not you don't understand that it's not the superman persona that you're supposed to connect with it's the clark kent
1: yeah well he's such a great character he's so He's everywhere, he's anywhere, he's all of it. And sometimes I feel like people just like you don't give it a chance or maybe they didn't see something, like mm-hmm. a little twinkle in his eye, and it's like, but that's those are the moments and like you said, that's the best part about Superman, Clark Kent.
0: Yeah, that's right. The the Clark Kent, raised by 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 the Kents, uh, you know, that he does put on a persona when he's in Metropolis, you know, just for
1: yeah, Metropolis Kent versus Smallville Kent. Right.
0: Uh, yeah, or or at home Kent, you know, the Kent that he's he is with uh with Lois is yeah. definitely that's who he is. That's that's this person. And it's just uh it's it's hard to it's hard to say this to people to be like, if you really think about it, Clark Kent is every man. He he's the oh, yeah. potential that every person can achieve. Yeah, you might not be able to fly, you don't have invulnerable skin, but you have the potential to be great you know,
1: exactly, and I hope I didn't cut you short there, but exactly, that's the biggest part, and plus, the best thing about Clark Kent, you know, who's done more, just throwing one item out there, who's done more against the Ku Klux Klan, Superman or Clark Kent? Clark Kent did, because he Cause told he wrote the, truth. the stories he wrote the stories, Yeah, and I don't care who anybody is, we can do those things, we can... We can write about whatever we feel or think because social media is available to everybody. That's right. We can always tell the truth.
0: There's an open mic you for know. everyone.
1: Yeah, and I and I and I think in this day and age that just makes it that much more that Clark is every man.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so Action Comics 1000 comes out today. It is a pivotal moment in our lives and probably yours if you if you're listening to this podcast. But it is uh, exciting, exciting to say the least. So.
1: I used to have dreams about this back in, I want to say, 1989 to 1990. (laughs) The reason why I can pinpoint that era. Okay. um, DC Comics used to do these little three packs, three comics for a dollar. And they would sell them at, oh, my God, uh, like thrifty. Thrifty chain stores. Pharmacy drugstore. Yeah, pharmacy drugstores. And every now and then, you know, I'd scrounge up a couple dimes or whatnot, save it up, and you buy one. And I always remember reading... Batman issue four hundred twenty-seven, and that's the one that's got a great Todd McFarlane cover on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Jim Starlin wrote it. Uh, I'm not too sure who did the pencils, but it was just—it's a beautiful comic. Do yourself a favor, go and invest in that comic, Batman four twenty-seven. And so, anyways, it was called. You should have seen them. And basically, these three—well, co- these two cops—sit down and they're sh- they're swapping stories about Batman. And one, you know, this kid jumps off a bridge, and Batman jumps and grabs him, and he's like, "You, you should have thrown your life away." Da 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 da. So Batman's very stern, but he's caring. And the other cop is like, "Ah, nah, dude, that Batman—he's not the one I saw. The other one I saw." So there's this like deli getting robbed and then batman busts in there and he's busting up these metal heads you know he's bashing these street <laughs> punks and then one grabs an old lady's he got a gun to her head and he's like oh i'll shoot her i swear to god and batman's like if you hurt her i will break every bone in your body i will find a way to make you pay <laughs> and like he just trips this dude out finally the third cop who's a rookie you know and he's he's there picking up some donuts for his pregnant wife and he's like actually that's not who batman is Let me tell you my story. And then, of course, you know, he's like, yeah, I saw some kids. I went to chase them. So we're running. Batman shows up. We corner the kids, and the the younger boy steps in front of his little sister, and he grabs a piece of wood to defend them. And both Batman and I are taking him back. And, you know, we, we eventually, you know, Batman calms the kids down. He's like, well, let's go to your home. And they go to their home and it's basically just an alleyway that they, you know, outfitted into being a home and they're sitting by the fire and the kids tell their story. You know, mom was killed in a car accident. Dad took the insurance money. He risked it trying to get a job in Gotham. He started playing cards and he got killed. So we lost our parents, you know, we've been living on the streets and, for one moment you see Batman turn away into the darkness and wipe a tear. No. And Jeez. you know, after that he's like then Batman comes back and he's like, My friend Bruce Wayne will take care of you, this will be okay. We'll get it all settled. And then, of course, you know, the two cops are like, oh, what a load of fooey. You know, you're just some rookie. That's stupid. Get out of here. So the rookie cop leaves. Then it goes to stately Wayne Manor, and you see two little orphans laying in bed and Bruce Wayne's watching over them. And I just thought that is the best Batman comic because that is all of Batman. And I had it in my mind ever since then as a little kid. I was like, God, I hope I can be a comic book writer one day so I could do that for Superman. So I could give a story that shows here's a man with just, you know, fist of steel and and, and so powerful and just has the exploding ability of a son. But yet has the compassion of the most caring human being on the planet. I just wanted to, and unfortunately, I didn't make it. Uh, my story will be in Action Comics one thousand one. Uh, no, but, but I just always wanted to do something like that. So yeah, this Action Comics one thousand has been on my mind for over two decades now.
0: If I mean, they're doing they're doing uh, uh, two two issues a month. So you know, maybe this year, next year, this time next year, that's issue. 1100 right <laughs> maybe you could uh
1: you could get in on that one you know I'll, maybe I'll save it first so what did I say that was Batman 424 so that's why I should do action comics 1424
0: 1424 <laughs> there you go that's good that's good on you okay oh, that's that's uh, that's a that's a great way of looking at it though that's a you know it's pretty amazing so I I, I I can't think of a particular Superman story that uh really affected me at the moment there's the one that that gets passed around a lot uh, on the internet, it's the one where the girl is standing in the edge of, oh, of the building. Oh, yes,
1: from All Star Superman. All
0: Star, yeah, and
1: uh, issue six or seven, yeah.
0: And she wants to, you know, she she she's contemplating throwing herself off the building, and he's there, and he's like, "I'm I'm here to talk. I won't let you die, but I'm not going to stop you." Like kind of thing. Like, but, oh,
1: okay, wait. I think that was. I'm sorry, that's not the All Star Superman. That's the one. Um, I think that might be the one from Grounded. Is it? Yeah, JMS. Okay. Yeah, because she flies up there and she's like, "Don't you try to grab me?" Right, right, right. right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah that's JMS. Yeah. yeah, and he's
0: saying, "Yeah, he's sitting there like, uh, you know, I, I won't do it. I, I won't grab you. I'm gonna sit here and talk to you and just, you know, we'll have a conversation. I won't let you die, but you know, I won't stop you. Either. I won't. Yeah, exactly. Because you 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 need to be you need to make these decisions on your own kind of thing. Yeah, and I, it's just something that that I think makes makes its round around it makes its rounds around the internet often because it's a very touchy subject it's it's something that uh, a lot of people don't want to talk about but should and uh it's it's something that always affects affects me i guess in a way so
1: yeah well again that just goes that's the beauty of superman is that you know it's never been like oh man did you see how he lifted that mountain or he (laughs) he pushed the earth it's how he talked to people yeah how he did the simplest things, you know, like what is one of the most things that Superman's synonymous for? Rescuing the cat from a tree. Yeah, you, you can you know?
0: easily rescue a cat from a tree as pick up uh, a, a cruise liner that's about to be hit by. A missile. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. Torpedo <laughs> or something. Why why are we firing on, on cruise liners? Who knows? But so those cruises, man, <laughs> They're strict
1: rule policy. <laughs>
0: uh, all right, but we'll talk more about Superman when we get to the issue. Let's talk about the spinner rack this week first.
1: Okay, so obviously Action Comics one thousand is out there from DC Comics. There's a lot of covers, so choose wisely or choose multiply. How many covers were there total? Oh my gosh. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, eight. Ten. Ten, okay. So, but there's ten official ones. Now, there's been other ones. Some comic book stores or even other people uh, bought their own. Like, Jason Fahbook. Uh, I think it's it's a, a, a comic shop out of San Diego. They commissioned his piece. Oh, wow. Uh, Gabriel Del Otto did another one. So, like, is
0: there is just one issue with Jason Fahbook's art on it? Or, like, they no, actually... They ran
1: they did a print run of, like, 2500 Wow. Something like that. So, yeah. Like, actually, so I'll be super honest super rare. With you. Yeah, I... I I bought one this morning. I, I woke up and I was so bummed because, like, I like the covers that were presented. I want to say, I think, like, the 60s cover, the one by Mike Allred, I really like that one. Um, and, unfortunately, I didn't order that one because, at the time, you didn't know. And so I was like, well, I'll pick the 80s and 90s because those are errors for myself. And... When I was looking at him, and then I saw the art for the Jason Fab book cover, and I was like, that thing is beautiful. So this morning I caved. I bought one off eBay, $25. No, oh. And as of the last time I checked, it's already up at 41 Wow. Yeah, it's jumped. So shop carefully. Um, buy it directly from the comic book Shipe. I forget their name. I'll, I'll try to see if I can find it later on in the show, but you might still be able to get it for 25 And there's another beautiful Gabriel one where he's, he's basically sitting in the Fortress of Solitude. So he drew it purposely that... Superman looks very Christopher Reeve, mm-hmm. and he's sitting there, and it's the classic it's crystal looking fortress. It's a crystal
0: throne, too? Yeah, it, kind it? of something okay. like
1: that. Yeah, so those were the two covers I really liked.
0: Um, the The main one, the one that if you just walked up to the the store today, that your little comic book store, and you picked one off the spinner rack, it would. It's the Jim Lee cover, right? Yes, the okay. Jim Lee
1: one, where he's standing there, classic Superman pose with the city behind him. That's the regular cover,
0: and. Uh, was there uh oh, i don't know I, I guess well how many different i mean we we already said there was 10 different covers that were the solicited blank obviously yeah, yeah um do you know the the names of all 10 artists uh
1: yes so the typical cover would be jim lee uh this 1930s cover would be by steve rude uh and actually cool fact steve rude um Was, I believe, at Samurai Comics signing today. Oh, wow. Here in Arizona. So I don't know if Steve the Dude Rude is an Arizonan or not. Uh, 1940s was by Michael Cho. 1950s was by Dave Gibbons. 1960s by Michael Allred, and Michael Allred did a great job on that cover, and I even like how they still put the checkered board at the top. Mm -hmm. Uh, Little known fact, DC, to distinguish themselves from other comic books, put the checkered board at the top, so that way when you look at the spinner racks, it was perfectly tall enough that you'd see that checkered board, and you knew it was a DC comic. (laughs) Uh, 1970s was Jim Steranko. Uh, 1980s was by Joshua Middleton. Very beautiful cover, by the way uh 1990s was Dan Juergens, and the 2000s was Lee Bermejo and then your final cover was a blank maybe it could be by you
0: no oh, there you go now each cover they they tried to recreate uh some kind of pivotal pivotal point or iconic point in the in the Yeah history, they tried right?
1: to go for like a look or um moments from that decade right yeah.
0: not necessarily re- recreating a cover or anything but just something that you're like something from that decade yeah and
1: you know one that blew my mind that i'm surprised they didn't do why didn't they just commission alex ross to do a 1000 that's action comics number one in very much alex ross's style like i mean i know alex ross on his site he did like a lithograph or a poster mm-hmm. for his recreation of action comics number one but so picking up the car Yeah, yeah. Wow. So I'm surprised. I haven't seen that. I wouldn't mind seeing that. Yeah, I'll I'll send you the link and I'll try to see if I can post a tag on this thing as well. But yeah, so tons of covers, uh, a lot of good stuff. Um, But be careful because it's got an $8 price point. So this is a big book, but it's also got a hefty price point. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, so shop wisely. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, what else is out? Uh, Batman 45, Booster Gold is giving Bruce Wayne his wedding gift early, and it involves a very dark world. From some of the preview art, basically this is Tom King doing his version of for the man who has everything. So you're giving a wedding gift to Batman. Well, he's kind of also one of those guys who's got everything. What do you give him? Right. So in this alternate reality, I guess, Bruce Wayne's parents never died, or there's no need for Batman. I'm not too sure how the line is drawn. But yeah, in this one we see like how Jordan Green Lantern gets infected by the Joker and uses the ring to kill himself. Like is oh, wow. crazy. And then you'll also have Dick Grayson as Batman in it, and he's more of a gun-toting Batman, which is interesting. Wow. Yeah, this is wild. Um, I was reading a little bit of an interview, and, and they were talking about the gun situation. And obviously for Bruce, he was anti-gun because he saw his parents... Killed by a gun. Right. Dick won't be because his parents weren't killed by a gun. No. So that's an interesting, like, oh, wow, well, how do you do? Would Batman take a Legion ring? Would he use one? I, I think he'd use it for the moment. Like, he would keep it.
0: But he wouldn't rely on but it. But he wouldn't rely on
1: it huh. just because of the way he is.
0: So it would be in one of those pouches just yeah. like in case. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's
1: got each box. So, you know, whatever letter of the alphabet L is, that's what pouch it is. Because
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, you know, Booster Gold is giving something to to Batman as a gift. I mean, what? I mean, one of the things Booster Gold has is a, is a Legion ring. So. Yeah. Be interesting. I would. I, I mean, he would be able to fly like on his own, unassisted, not not being picked up by Superman yeah, no or Wonder Woman. No rocket boots. No, no weird yeah.
1: things. Just totally. So, yeah.
0: be, just like I wonder if there'd be like this moment of like childlike bliss, like of him flying, and then someone would note, say, "Hey, are you smiling?" He goes, and you know, it would just it would go away. And be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> That'd
1: be a fun panel, you know, like show him flying with the the cape spread, serious face, then a little bit of a smile, then you see the word bubble pop up: "Are you smiling?" <laughs> No, (laughs) not Batman. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Okay, moving along. Uh, This one's a neat one for you. Batman Arkham, Hugo Strange. So they're making a trade paperback dedicated just to Hugo Strange. So it'll be a collection of his stories. Obviously his first appearance and some of his greatest hits. Um, So those are always fun. You got me the, granted it was the 75th anniversary of Two-Face. I love that book. Uh, It's just It's so neat because the extra essays that are in there really bring it more to life. So those are always fun. Uh, And they've been doing a great job with those Batman Arkhams. Batman Creature of the Night, number three of four. This is, again, this comes from Superman. But Kurt Busiek originally wrote Superman's Secret Identity, where a young Clark Kent finds out he is that world's Superman. So in this world, Bruce Wainwright finds out or becomes Batman of his world. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then we also have... Dead Man, Part 6 of 6. I'm just going to plug that because it's a character I love. Uh, Green Lantern, The Silver Age, Volume 3, Trade Paperback. Uh, If you're a fan of some classic stuff, that's always a great one to get. Injustice 2, Issue 24. That book is amazing. Do yourself a favor. Keep reading it. Um, I know there was a lot of buildup, and they had some fun. I want to believe, if I remember correctly, this would be right around the time with the Killer Croc Orca love relationship oh, yeah, 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 yeah. there's a new ship out there that people can go for so that's where you heard it first
0: yeah i remember uh, i it was i think it was i think it was uh is it, is it tom taylor that that, writes mm-hmm. that yeah he had he had tweeted something because, because or he retweeted something because someone had tweeted the page where Uh, Orca just walks into the to the dining room and goes, and everybody's kind of talking. And she looks right at Croc, and she goes, "I'm pregnant," and walks out. And everybody's (laughs) just like looking at Croc, like, "What the hell just happened?" (laughs) And he, like the guy, I think the guy who originally tweeted was like, "This was the best scene ever," like kind of thing. Oh yeah,
1: Tom Taylor needs to write. I think, I forget who did it, but when they did that book, The Superior Foes of Spider Man, Mm -hmm. they need to do a book like that for Tom Taylor. Mm -hmm. Or let them write Suicide Squad, and I guarantee you, you'll have a hit. There's your Eisner, DC Comics, and Tom Taylor. Let's make this happen. Um, Mr. Miracle issue 8 I can't say enough about this book so I'm going to pause there because today it's Superman's day Nightwing 43 Super Suns 15 and if you haven't gotten enough of Superman Superman issue 45 will also be out on the stance so that's coming to you from DC Comics um, a neat one I'm going to sneak in from Dynamite Entertainment john wick number two wow they're doing a five-part miniseries on john wick uh issue one has been out
0: now do you um, know if this uh like bridges a gap between part one and two does this go before part one or is this to bridging be between honest two with you three? if i
1: remember correctly i think this is kind of like a prequel so before number one so it kind of puts john wick back in his john wick days
0: if i remember correctly. so when he was working for the, the mob before he did his un- undoable task kind of thing to get yep. out yeah
1: before he got out but let me see let me pull up this a little Solicit here. Uh, I wouldn't
0: mind seeing the story too of like when he was back in the Marine Corps. If that's what you can uh, you can extrapolate from the tattoos on his back, because that's what a lot of people say. You know, those are Marine Corps tats.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Actually, so John Wick's origin story. So that's what the series would be. Mm. So this might touch on some of those ideas. Uh, here's the solicit for number two. John Wick's origin story continues. In the underworld of El Paso, Texas, a familiar face introduces an ex-con named John Wick to the local branch of the mysterious Continental Hotel, a neutral zone where professional killers spend their downtime. But can John adhere to the rules of the Continental, or will his search for vengeance destroy his chances for a peaceful life? Also, does John Wick actually have... A cat?
0: No cat. No, no. Whoa. John Wick has dogs, not cats.
1: This is how the internet was broken. <laughs> Greg Pack is actually writing that. He's really? A good guy. That's yeah, he's incredible. A good so yeah, um, uh, the, the cover art has been fantastic. Like they are really nailing it, making it uh, have the features of. I just went blank. I can't count Reeves. Mm. So they've been doing a great job there. Uh, coming at us from Image Comics, we have Kickass number three. And this is one I'm going to put on my radar and I want to share it with you. Maybe you'll take the journey with me. Mage, the hero denied number eight. I recently was reading some article about this, and Mage, he's kind of interesting because he almost. He's almost got the same style pattern as Shazam, so he typically has a black shirt with the lightning bolt, right? And very much in the Shazam style,
0: which is also now the look for Adam Warlock, or I don't know, if yeah, I don't know if it's now that I've just been noticing it because he's been coming a lot in the comic books, but it, yeah. that might have been what his symbol was back in the day.
1: Yeah, well, no, he's had that for a while too, but yeah, it's one of those ones where that, that so it's interesting how they they come about that bolt. But anyways, I guess this this mage, it's a trilogy. Oh, so this is the end part of it. The hero denied. Okay. So uh, I think it was the hero forged, or maybe it was the hero within hero forged and hero denied. Uh, something like that. But anyways, yeah, it's kind of popped up on my way, radar. Uh, Matt Wagner is the writer artist behind this, so he's very bankable. He's a good storyteller. So uh, he I also created the character too. Thing. Yes. Didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. This is very much his own personal project. So you know, those are always labors of love. So they they might be some very good gems. So I would put those out there from some independents. Uh, Now going to the other side of the fence. Here we are at Marvel Comics. And, okay, so there's this big storyline called Going Down Swinging. (sighs) Um, It's so good that today you could pick up Amazing Spider-Man 795 third print, Amazing Spider-Man 796 third print, and add that to your collection. Today we have issue 799. 799. So this is a major farewell to Dan Slott. Um, So far I've been reading it. It has been fantastic. I have yet to read today's issue, but I've heard a lot of interesting spoilers, so I can't wait to see it myself. (laughs) And do yourself a favor. When you go to your LCS today, your local comic shop, tell them to hold issue 801 as well. A lot of people think it's 800 and done. No, 801 is actually special enough that I believe he went to Marcos Martin, the, the artist, and he asked them to come back to do this issue and this was like damn near like four years ago when he asked him to do this he's been plotting this for a while so don't let yourself miss out
0: and then Dan Dan Slott is moving over to uh, Iron Man Iron Man now yeah he's gonna take
1: over Tony Stark and the Fantastic Four
0: the Fantastic that's the one that I've been yeah the return of the Fantastic Four okay
1: yeah I'm very excited for that Uh, I can't wait to see what he's gonna do Uh, Avengers issue 689 we are still having no surrender um Daredevil issue 601. This will this will deal with the fallout from the Mayor Fisk storyline. So I don't want to give you any spoilers, but Charles Soule has been doing a great job with this. Um, Infinity Countdown number two. I'm glad you brought up Adam Warlock because today was a great issue of Infinity Countdown. Um, this is like, this is a great. It's a trilogy. So hopefully you were reading. Um, Oh, Jerry Duggan's Guardians of the Galaxy, because that was the part one. Then part two is right now here with the Infinity Countdown. And then this will all lead up to the next summer event called Infinity Wars, with an S at the end of it. Mm. So this is going to be, obviously, they're tying in with some of the movie promotionals. I have a feeling that they're tying in with some of the video game stuff. So if you're a fan of Marvel vs. Capcom, I want to say three. I think that was the latest installment. Um I think you might be able to gleam some spoilers from that video game and put it into your comics. Mm. And today was great, and I want to put uh, fans of Hank Pym. I think there's something in the working with this story. So if you're a fan Ooh, of Hank Pym, you might not want to miss this. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll talk when we're off the air. Uh,
0: it, that's interesting because one of the only books that I got to read this past week was uh, Infinity Countdown number 1. Uh-huh. And I don't collect Guardians of the Galaxy, so I, I really felt like I was missing something, missing part of the story, and now, now I know because of what you said.
1: Yeah, I'll bring in the back issues. It's been fun since he inherited the book. Um, He took it over after Bendis. And, I mean, Bendis was a good time as well. But Jerry's has been way better. Mm. Like, Jerry Duggan, uh, he's a writer to watch. He's been doing a good job with it. Uh, Let's see, where are we? Oh, uh, Phoenix Resurrection, The Return of Jean Grey. If you're a fan of X-Men Red and you miss Resurrection, do yourself a favor, go back and buy this trade. It's a quick read. It's not too bad. Tales of Suspense number 104. This will be part four of five. So, again, this is the buddy cop story you didn't know you needed. (laughs) I, I love this. I mean, the interactions between Bucky and Clint have been amazing. So, this one has been fantastic. Then, here you go. Here's a great way to beef up your comic book bag so that way you feel like you've got more in it. True Believers. These are the dollar comics. So, we have Infinity Incoming, Rebirth of Thanos. Um, So Infinity Incoming and Rebirth of Thanos, that's basically going to start building some of the... uh, Infinity Incoming would be referencing the um, Jonathan Hickman Avengers run when he did his Infinity storyline. Not too bad, might be a little bit more complicated. But the Rebirth of Thanos, that will actually be exciting because when Thanos was first created, he had an arc and he was killed and left alone. Hmm. But then Starlin came back and I was like, I guess I better do something with that character. (laughs) So that's what's kind of exciting that when even Thanos and Darkseid, when they first were created, they had this big magnum opus and they were killed and left for dead. Like at one point, their litter was like, okay, we're done with those characters. Wow. That's crazy in this modern comic book setting. Um, This one I find very interesting. True Believers Venom versus Spider-Man number one. It got a second printing. Wow. That's weird. So do yourself a favor. Uh, keep your eye out on that one. I don't know what it is
0: about '90s kids and loving Venom so much. Like, I think the character's cool, but I just, I never, I just never have gotten into the whole symbiote like uh, storyline.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, like, I, I, I wish, I wish, because it's hard for me. Because every time I look at Venom, I see an alien. I okay. wish I saw something that was more spider, mm-hmm. more grounded, and then I'd appreciate it a lot more. Right? But, yeah. When I look at, it, I'm just like, nah, it's an alien. It's overpower. I don't care. Yeah. You I know? mean, we just got done talking about how an <laughs> alien overpowered alien is not
0: that not that big a deal. But yeah, it's I don't know. I mean, I like the I, One thing, I, I I I I'm not a fan of when people de- depict uh, Venom as a as a villain because he's not. He's an antihero.
1: Yeah, I very much like that aspect. Yeah, when they put that on Eddie. Uh, but. It's just,
0: it's I don't know. It's just this thing, this attitude, I guess, that people get about Venom that just really turns me off to the character. But it's not the character's fault; it's the fans' fault.
1: No, it's true. Like they're they there. I've been in the stores, and sometimes when the Uber Venom fans come through, you're just kind of like, oh no, because you're right. Eddie Brock is such a great character, mm-hmm. and the vehicle for him with Venom is it's good. I just wish. I wish somebody could help me see past the alien part of it. Right. You know, like, and I know there's probably great stories out there that I need to, I'm, I'm trying to immerse myself in some more readings. But, yeah, sometimes I just, I get a little bit lost on that part of it.
0: Yeah, and the whole push that they're doing right now for, you know, for Venom, the Venom verse, you know, Spider-Man versus Venom, you know, there's seems to be Venom everything lately, but yes. <laughs> I, I assume it has to do with the movie.
1: Oh, yeah. Because my last comic on the rack is Venomize, yeah. number three. See? <laughs> and the only reason I'm reading that is because the X-Men Blue team is in it. That's it. Oh, okay. You know, but you're right. Like, I was laughing because I was looking at my comics that I had ordered, and I was laughing because I was like, oh, you know, I, I, I had an extra set of the spider-man venom incorporated and why was i reading venom incorporated because he crossed over into amazing (laughs) spider-man then the next month why am i reading venomized because he crossed over into the x-men blue and i was just laughing i was like damn that's two months of probably three months of eddie that (laughs) normally just does not happen for me (laughs)
0: uh that's 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 pretty funny um before we move on to what we're reading this week i wanted to talk to you about what's been going around the internet as of lately. And I know we don't, we we don't talk about the movie. Yeah, that too. We don't talk about the movies all that much, but in the MCU, they're talking about the Eternals might be showing up. Hmm. Um, and you know, the evidence for this is that, you know, Thor Ragnarok had very much Kirby's, uh,
1: art style, art style and
0: and influence and stuff like that. And, you know, guardians of the galaxy volume one has the celestial's head and stuff like that. So, uh, the externals or the eternals are not that couldn't shouldn't be that far behind. And I'll, I'll, I'll admit, I don't know much about the eternals, but like I was listening to other people talk about them and it's like it was Kirby when he came back to the Mar- to Marvel and you know, it was his answer to the fourth world over at DC right. being like, I'm going to make these characters again. And then I was thinking, but wait, DC's fourth world is a fourth world or fifth world? Fourth world. Fourth world is his answer to Thor and the Asgardians and the Marvel so essentially, aren't these
1: a copy of the Asgardians again? <laughs> you know, it's I love Kirby, but oh, I feel like a jerk for saying this. I going to say it though, but it's like it's one of those things where it's like sometimes people are really good writers, and then somebody lets them think they could draw, and sometimes people are really good artists, and then somebody lets them think they can write. And I mean, it's one of those things where where Kirby is an idea man. But sometimes the stories would get lost, mm-hmm. you know. And, yeah, unfortunately, he got cheated a lot of times. Oh, Both yeah. DC and Marvel kind of hosed him. And I've, I've heard that parallel, that the Eternals are like, well, fine, since I didn't get to finish the story of Orion, let me bring it over at DC Comics. Um, and I've Comics. mentioned this to you before, where there there's kind of a – I think there's – and I'm trying to research this more because I wouldn't mind reading it. But, yeah, there's like a, a Kirby trilogy. So the first part is – I guess would be the third world, which or be- which would lead to Ragnarok, but that would be Thor and right. the Asgardians. Then once that explosion happens, when Ragnarok happens, from the ashes will come Apocalypse, so this will be the New God saga. And then eventually the New God saga, and like I said, he ended it. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote The Hunger Dogs, which was basically the final chapter of the, the, the New God saga. And I don't know if it's the Eternals, or I think he actually did some... Um, some independent stuff. I don't know the name of it off the top of my head, but I think the independence is where the third volume of his trilogy. Comes oh, from. that's so
0: funny. Cause it's like, it's essentially, he's like, I have this story that I want to tell and it's got <laughs> these certain set of characters, but yet he keeps having to leave the company
1: and he's like, ah, okay, I'll just, I'll start it over it here. Now. Yeah. So that, I mean, I guess if you, i out grant Morrison, Morrison. <laughs> I guess if you can, uh,
0: You can get all those points together, all that three parts of that story, and you read it straight through. You could probably be like, wow, that was really interesting. (laughs) I I just unlocked the secret of comics. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, Okay. What would, uh, like I said earlier, I I didn't get to read too much this week, but uh, I did read um, uh, Infinity Countdown number one. And uh, I thought it was interesting. Um, uh, I, I don't know if i followed it all correctly but then when they're getting to the part where um the guardians are attacking the gardener i think is his name yeah yeah the gardener the guy who created uh or the whatever those colossal (laughs) flora, yeah flora colossal or whatever they're called like i thought that was a really interesting story and then like he essentially, they kind of just knock him back into having his senses or whatever yeah and uh he he um he he's he's not a bad guy he just was something was like basically a virus had taken over taken him over and groot healed him or baby groot had healed him, so then he basically healed baby groot and made him into the full grown groot and uh the intelligent version of himself that can actually talk in full sentences and stuff. Yeah. So I was like, Oh, that's I mean there I mean obviously that's where Groot was originally when yes, he was created. Yeah. You know, you he could do all that stuff. It was I, I assume it wasn't until the movie when they decided to be like I am Groot stuff.
1: Well, so Groot's a funny character, so he obviously predates the Marvel Age of Comics as we know it, sixties right. and above. So he was created, he was a plant monster that came to earth and, and a plant alien and he was gonna, you know, do that whole thing. Um I'm sure he had various appearances throughout the years, but it really wasn't until Annihilation Conquest that we finally saw the Groot as we know him. And he was basically like, he was Namer. You know, he was one of those kings, you know, like, oh, he's a king. Yeah, because he's basically the king of his people. And and he would just talk about that. And he was very much third person snooty and all this stuff like that. Um, Keith Giffen was the guy who wrote that. And it was funny because he's basically the one who came up with the idea of Rocket Raccoon and Groot being friends. And his whole idea was
0: a raccoon, he's a hangs raccoon out, he would hang out with a tree. You know? <laughs> and I was
1: like, that's genius. Um, but so, anyway, so, but yeah, very much Rocket was a little bit more friendlier passive Mm -hmm. and Groot was this just overbearing jerk but then in the the storyline Groot winds up sacrificing himself and it was a beautiful moment actually he wound up sacrificing himself in order for the um for the good guys to win, right, and so that's where we do see Rocket grab one of the the, the the sticks, one of the sticks, one of the shrubs, whatever you want to call it, and put it in the planter and regrow him. And then from that moment on, he did get stuck with the whole "I am Groot, I oh. am Groot." But yeah, obviously they took it even more into effect with the movie happening,
0: right? So that's that's interesting. Uh, I mean, it looks like the the book is kind of like the conquest because. I don't know what the event was that happened before it, but like the all the Infinity Stones, Infinity Gems, all went separate directions with different people and stuff like that. So now they're all trying—they're trying to find them all again, or yeah, it's protect honestly, them or
1: well, it's it's weird how it happened because so you've had the the six one six Infinity Stones, right? Mm-hmm. And um, after well. I know recently, and I don't know how true those are, those little internet blurbs. So I guess uh, Tony Stark is the first Earthman to ever wield the Infinity Gauntlet. Oh. And obviously the stones then got separated amongst the uh, Illuminati. And, I
0: remember that. That was the last thing I remember with the, the Infinity Stones.
1: Yeah, and then it got to a point where um, during – I forget what the story arc was, but basically the – oh, man – it was the buildup towards Secret Wars, the most recent one, mm-hmm. the incursions. I think that's what they're calling it when the two different realities, would their Earths would collide into each other. So Captain America was like, well, why don't we just take the Infinity Gauntlet and use it? And, of course, everybody's like, no, Cap, it's not that simple. And Cap's like, screw it, it is. And he takes the Infinity Gauntlet and he's using it. And then, bam, all the stones shatter except for the Time Stone, which then retreats back into the timeline. Right, And that was it. And then now all of a sudden, like maybe I missed something. I don't know. But yeah, the stones have just kind of reappeared back in the 616. But one thing that is interesting so they've they they kind of appeared in different books, right? So when they did the Marvel Legacy one shot, that's where we get we we see Wolverine's back Mm -hmm. and he's got I think it was the time gem. Okay. Or the mind gem. Uh, yeah. the timer mind, for it. It's one of the two. And they even changed it, too. Like, what used to be a gem with this color meant this. They changed that. Is it to match the movies? Some, yeah. Probably. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so so they, they kind of maneuvered some stuff. Uh, so we see Wolverine with that. Then in the Guardians of the Galaxy book, we see the Power Stone, which is, like, huge. It's, like, the size of a room. Yeah.
0: I did notice that. Because in the book, Drax is protecting that on, an, on a planet somewhere in, like, these... Uh, vultures, raptors, raptor? yeah. yeah, yeah. These bird people were trying to, trying to attack, attack it. And they're even like, that's too big for us to carry. He's like, it's okay. We'll take pieces. It'd be great. Kind of thing. So yeah. that was, uh, that was interesting.
1: Yeah. And it's weird because they're dark, hawk. they're dark Hawk. Oh, I know really? That yeah, yeah. 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 I, that so I didn't realize he was a space character. So now well, I knew he was like, a space oh.
0: character, but I didn't know that they were villains. Or, yeah. Are, so are are they kinda they kind of like a green
1: Lantern Corps, but apparently, yeah, recently they've been bad guys. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah um so i guess they're kind of like an anti
0: nova core okay. yeah,
1: something to that effect um i could see that they kind of have the same helmet yeah yeah it's kind of that same that neat riff on each other right um but anyways the i brought this up so the reality stone was in the captain marvel book and captain marvel carol she's in an alternate reality right so, so i'm kind of like but is she in the reality that um, uh, america comes from America Chavez? I don't know. I I haven't followed the characters that closely, so I couldn't tell you that. But I find it interesting because they've pretty much established the rules that the Infinity Gauntlet has to work with its own stones and its own reality. So if Carol brings this stone over, which she she does have a major part to play in Countdown and Wars, how does that work? Mm. So is this going to be like an infinite gauntlet of infinite Earths? (laughs) So yeah, I don't know, but um, well, so what did what did you think about? Like, I know the issue had a big twist at the end. What did you think of that?
0: Um, do you, you, you know what the twist was?
1: I, can't, I can't think of Pym it Pim Ultron, right? Because didn't it didn't uh, somebody end up with the stone? Because it's been a while since I read it, but I could sworn somebody ended up with the stone, and then all of a sudden, bam! Here comes Ultron Pym, like rips that guy apart, and he's like, "Now I've got that stone!" Ha ha ha! I don't.
0: Maybe I didn't get to the end of the book then. I don't know. Hmm. I was reading it, but I'm pretty sure I did. I don't remember seeing that that part.
1: Yeah, I could have sworn. Maybe like, that
0: was you sure you sure number three didn't
1: come out today? No, number is today because I was honestly thinking about that. I was like, man, it's been a while, but it's monthly, not biweekly like some of the other huh. stuff. Yeah. Oh no! Well, I hope I didn't spoil. it. No, anything, no, but, that's, not, that's not that big know. of a
0: deal. I just I, I don't remember. I don't. I really don't remember that. So it's interesting. I'll have to go back and look at the issue.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, now, well, you got me curious, too. I'm going to have to go back and check mine as well. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's the only
0: thing I've been reading. What have you been reading?
1: Let's see. What did I put up this week? Well, uh, so I got caught up on some stuff. So I got caught up on uh, about three or four issues of X Men Blue. Uh, so I read the book after the the originals have left it, and we basically dealt with Bloodstorm and Jimmy. It was all right. It was actually pretty good. I'm surprised it held up as well as it did. Normally, it's a book I wouldn't have bought in, just because I'm a Cyclops fan. So. With a lack of Cyclops, I didn't find a need to, but I'm still supporting the book. Um, and then I finally finished up the. Oh, I also got caught up on Hal Jordan and the Green Lanterns, uh, Green Lantern Corps. Um, the Zod arc was pretty good. It felt a little bit longer, but it was neat in the final issue to really see. How lay the smack down on Zod. Like, he just tore him a new one. And something I found interesting in that book, because originally Kyle and Hal go on to, I forget the name of the new planet, but where Zod and his family are. Right, right. And it's a shame because Chris Kent is there. Because Chris Kent is the son of Zod and Ursa.
0: Oh, okay. So he's, oh, they kept that.
1: Yeah, but he's not Chris Kent. He's whatever oh. his Zod name is. But
0: and they they have him aged up,
1: don't they? No, hes he's basically... Jonathan Kent's age. Oh. So I mean it works out perfectly that, you know, you'll have the anti superboy as well. Oh. Um, but it's a shame because he's Chris Kent. I mean, he was Nightwing, yeah. he was a good guy. You know, and now he's just gonna get tossed backwards and, yeah. and you know. But it's character arc, so maybe he'll get redeemed, I hope. Maybe. Um But anyway, so uh Hal and Kyle go there, they get captured, they get beat up really bad, especially Kyle. So at one point Hal is like he takes off his ring, throws it on Kyle, and sends Kyle home. And then Kyle winds up with like a new costume. And even then, he starts acting like Hal. Well, it, I mean, it, Hal's ring is made from his own willpower, so that's right.
0: That is interesting. You know, he essentially imprinted himself on that ring. As to opposed the to the ring imprinting itself onto you, like a normal uh, Green Lantern uh, ring would do. So yeah, he he would be absorbing some of his power, And especially for someone like Kyle. And I'm, I'm, it's unfortunate I'm not reading this book right now, but someone like Kyle who uh, obviously can become any one of the different colors. He's very much an open an open sore. I don't know how, how else to put it. He feels everything. Yeah. So I, I would ima- I would imagine he's quite the conductor for. Uh, emotion or for Hal's essence you know you to without by putting it crudely so that he started to act like Hal. that's yeah that's very crazy. Brash
1: and head head first into all kinds of stuff and like it was interesting <laughs> and even you know guy and John noticed it like what the hell dude chill you know um, so yeah I found it crazy because yeah it came up with a new costume what's it um, look like it it was very bland. I mean, not to be mm. mean, like it was just green and black, nothing, nothing fancy to it. Um, but I did find it interesting that yeah, it did those two things: new costume, and then it very much affected Kyle. And like you said, I guess he's very empathic. I think might be yeah, that's a know? great word for you. Yeah. And so yeah, for him to pick up like howlisms like that, I thought it was wild. Um, yeah, we're gonna something big is gonna happen in the Green Lantern world realm. Something because in the newest solicits that came out. Green Lanterns is going to be written by Dan Jurgens, mm-hmm. so whatever it is, issue forty-eight. No, I, I want to say fifty-one, fifty-two, or something like that. Uh, and Robert Vendetti is announcing that he's going to leave Green Lantern or Hal in
0: the Green How on the
1: GLC with issue fifty, and as we know, how every time a fifty comes along, something <laughs> wilds there. And it's funny because we've had okay, so you had the nineteen ninety-four emerald twilight part three first appearance of parallax right the next time we get a green lantern 50 was jeff johns during the blackest night and he made sure he brought parallax back the next time we get a green lantern number 50 was during the new 52 written by robert vendetti and he brought parallax back. so will we <laughs> so see you've seen something a you know well i mean it is it, it, it's neat i mean only if, if story dictates. But I mean we do have a Hal Jordan Parallax running around the DCU right now. That's right. Uh, I did manage to ask Robert Vendetti on Twitter if he had any plans and he said no. I mean, things can obviously change, you know, and I and I hope he resolves that issue before he leaves the book. But, you know, there's a great playing piece for somebody who ever comes into that because I mean you're you're the if he leaves the book. You know, he's basically leaving a Hal Jordan who forged his own ring out of his own willpower that can influence other lanterns, and a Hal Jordan parallax flying around the the uh, DCU, and then Scott Schneider is going to introduce the Ultra Violet Lantern.
0: Yeah, I saw that. That, that was in this uh, the this solicits for was it JLA number three? Yeah, but it's uh, what, what the month? July. Is it? the, the July. The July solicits. So. Yeah, it obviously looks like he's going to be an evil lantern. I don't know. Yeah, it well, he did. He didn't look good. It did, did not look yeah. good. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely implying or making me infer that he's not a good guy. But yeah, John Stewart, an ultraviolet. I mean, I guess we're going into light spectrum as opposed to color spectrum or emotional spectrum. Uh, that's interesting. That, that's definitely
1: interesting. Yeah. All I know is we need an event so that way they can make more of the little rings because we're <laughs> missing the phantom ring and now this ultraviolet ring and I want a new updated of the howl ring and I want the mother ring. So there's, <laughs> there's four little plastic rings, DC. I need you to get on that. <laughs> uh, you have an addiction. Uh, I sadly do. Um, uh, but anyway, so we'll, we'll, when Robert Vendetti leaves, what happens? So in my opinion, this is where we get Pete Tomasi to come back to the GLC. He did a great job writing Green Lantern Corps, uh, apparently behind the scenes. And this is what's always tough because who comes up with stories is it editors or writers. So I, from what I've heard, and I, I've never had a chance to verify it, but I guess the person I need to really thank for Green Lantern and Hal Jordan coming back is Pete Tomasi. He's the editor who pitched it. And they got Jeff Johns to write it. They have assignments. They give out the assignment to the, to the yeah. writer. The writer comes up. Eh, maybe. Yeah, so, I mean, but uh, I'd say, hey, you've got Pete writers come,
0: writers come up with pitches too, though. So Oh, yeah. It so just, it's depend.
1: very weird how it works in all its different manners. So, I mean, I, I love both guys. They've done great comic books. So, I mean, I'm happy <laughs> with whatever. But, you know, I, I really do want to make sure I give credit where credit's due as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, what if in the, the newest 50, it, it's, not, it's not
1: Parallax that comes up, but Ion. That would be cool, because honestly, you know what the one thing... Or here's what I want. I want to see Ion Hal versus Parallax Sinestro. Ooh. Like, put them at their ultra-toughest and just <laughs> let them go to town. That'd be freaking fantastic. Because I will admit, whenever they draw a Sinestro Parallax, that looks cool. Yeah. I mean, that is cool looking, and we never got to see Hal be... Ion, I no, we never saw so it. So, what if
0: uh, you know how? Uh, whenever someone gets the 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 parallax, you know, inside them, they get the they get the shoulder the big shoulder pads, and then like the crazy teeth, <laughs> yeah, crazy teeth, and maybe like a, a streak of white gr- yeah. white through their hair. <laughs> what if uh, uh, if Hal gets a an ion, um, gets the ion, he gets like a the crab mask.
1: Yeah, that'd be pretty funny. <laughs> well, we've seen Hal with the crab mask. Really? Yeah. I want to say it was Green Lantern annual number four or five. So it was the one where, and this is such a weird story. So Hal is parallax. So this is very much 90s or early 2000s. Okay. So Hal has parallax. He's like, I need more power. So he steals Alan's lantern. And, you know, of course, Alan can't do anything. And it just so happens that as he's charging himself up, Kyle's charging himself up. And there's a glitch in the Matrix. And then Kyle wakes up, you know, in 1960s Hal, and he's got Cal, Carol and Tom, and he's living the crazy life that Hal Jordan does on the Ferris airstrip. And then Hal winds up saving Alex DeWitt. Oh. And it's crazy because he does it. like he, he Obviously, he's got years more experience over Kyle. So he stops Major Force, saves Alex, and all this and that. And we do see Hal in the Kyle costume. So it is pretty wild. He's still got the white streaks and all that. Um, it was a beautiful issue, but it was kind of sad because, and again, I'll have to double check it, but if I remember correctly, um, Hal and Kyle are standing over Alex's grave, and then Hal's just kind of like, I saved her. Oh, it's kind of like, damn, dude, like, I like you, but you're a dick. <laughs> that was cold. Right? <laughs> I'm just going to chalk that up to the parallax monster.
0: <laughs> uh, all right. So that's what you've been reading this week. Let's go ahead and talk about issue one thousand. What was your favorite out of the? How
1: many stories were there? Let's see: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten,
0: eleven. Eleven stories. Eleven what, stories. What was your favorite out? Of, I mean, so we had the going away story from Dan Jurgens. We have the welcome to the party story by. Brian Michael Bennison and we have everything in between.
1: Yes, good way to a good way to put that. I like it. Yeah,
0: um, this is definitely the return of the the the, the red shorts. You know, it, it was prominent in every single one of the stories. Yeah. What also one of the things I thought was very interesting is that uh, not all the stories, but a lot of the stories had Maggie Sawyer involved in them. That's true. It, she did get a good feature. She got a good feature in. in I want to say at least four of them. Um, mm. And I wonder if that means is if that's something that's going to be she's going to be showing up a lot more in uh, maybe action comics or you know Man of Steel when
1: uh, uh, Bendis writes that, but I could see that honestly. That's a good point. Maybe action comics will have more action in it, and maybe that's why he is re what was it the GCUPD? No, no, the
0: uh, science police something uh, metropolis, yeah. metropolis science police or something like that
1: yeah so that'd be that'd be cool but you're right i didn't think about that reading it but now that you mention it yeah she got a good spotlight so maybe that does mean that she'll be returning to the the books and getting a good spotlight again
0: yeah yeah so and uh one of the other characters I, he only had one story but he was was bibbo bibbo was in yeah, there. yeah that, it was, that was a to nice see little tone, again. yeah yeah um, what did you think about how the the story, the different stories, obviously jump around in time, time right. time periods and stuff like that? You you play it, they play it up as like this is you know the beginning of Superman's career. There's a there's a part when they're like when he's uh, I f- I forget who it is that he's fighting, but um, he's like oh, I had this dream that I was um you know in the 1930s, but obviously I couldn't have been in the 1930s because. I didn't, ex- I didn't live back then, but... I, you oh, know, I think were, that
1: was the Vandal Savage one, the Never ended S- S- That's right, yeah.
0: Vandal Savage, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think that continues on throughout the rest of the book, but they definitely have issues where, like the car, which was written by Jeff, Jeff Johns. Jeff and Richard and Donner. Richard Donner, yeah. yeah. You know, it's playing up the, that first cover of Action Comics number one, where he's lifting up that car. I, I assume it... So, in the original cover, it's, he's saving somebody by lifting up a car, right? Hey, well... If they're about so, to get
1: hit somebody. It's a weird play on it. So, basically, Clark Kent, man, just asks out Lois Lane, oh, will you go to the dance with me? And she's like, sure, (laughs) begrudgingly, too. So they go, and then these gangsters, like, are messing around and being real jerks at the place, and essentially they kidnap Lois, and Clark's nowhere to be seen, and he's not helping her or whatever. So then Superman comes up, and that's when, basically, he he grabs the car, shakes them out, one-handed catches Lois, and now, again, this will be a little bit more of assumption, but I imagine that's the car on the cover. He probably takes the car, bashes it, and then in, in her awe-struckness, that's when he looks to her, and that's when we see that famous – I think we've seen it more with Alex Ross when he kind of leans into Lois as she's peering back, and he says, you needn't be afraid of me. Right. So that's kind of a play on all that. But in, in this in particular in this part, story, story yeah. we
0: the butch – the guy who was driving the car, he, uh, I think it was butch yeah. he, uh, he's, take, he's now taken his car to a bottle, auto body shop to be like, "Hey, I need this fix," and he's like, "What did you hit an elephant?" and he's like, "No, it was a guy and he's like, "What are you talking about? a guy that's ridiculous <laughs> you're high or you know I think he says you're drunk. you should go sleep it off yeah. and uh, eventually Superman shows up and he's just like, "Look, I know you I, I've done my research. I know you know what you're about. I thought you would still be up on that telephone pole." uh where i left you but uh you, you know you got your car down, you got your car back and you need to turn your life around kind of thing right and uh you need to as we were talking about superman you know it's it's not so much and i was thinking about this when i'm reading this one like yeah yeah we take it we take it that superman catches the bad guy he hands him over to the police right Right, and you know, we assume that the police are just like due process and all that. Yeah, due Yeah, yeah. this citizen turned this guy in, and that's what, whatever. And technically, Superman's not a citizen because he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have a social security card, you know, any any of that stuff. But that's getting neither here nor there. But if you think about it, like, what if Superman's like, no, I can't really do anything to this guy. I can I can hinder them from hurting other people, but I can't arrest them because I'm not I'm not an officer. I'm not a citizen. So. He's like, okay, yeah, I can turn you over to the police, but the, maybe the police can't really do anything to you because they weren't there to actually see the crime. There's no witnesses that come up and report it, so they let him go. But he keeps an eye on this guy, and he's just like, you know, I did my research. You, you know, this was you. You you did this. You know, yeah,
1: you grew up in this orphanage. You were kicked out. Right. Your your mom
0: died. or it was your father died. Then your mom died. You know, and stuff like that. And you're just kind of trying to make things pass. But he eventually says, like, look, look uh, it, to me, what it was is like, I can't. I can't make you stop, but you should try and be the thing that you want. The rest be the of the person world. you needed, or something. Yeah, exactly. Like be uh, the person you needed when you were that age, or something like that. Yeah. And and the end of the end of the story is you know him playing with some kids or something like that. He's like, yeah, well, he, he, he breaks he open up a hydrant, so yeah. the
1: kids can play in the water because when he was in the orphanage, God, it was so hot. We used to wish we could go into the pool, but we <laughs> didn't have a pool because we're an orphanage. Yeah. Um,
0: so I, I really enjoyed that story. It's, it's what I was getting at.
1: No, it was a beautiful one, especially that line. I love that line. You know, be be the person you needed when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, secret identity time, and I hate saying this, but I'm a teacher, and the reason why I became a teacher is because there were teachers who were there for me, and I realized this job gives me that ability where I can be there for you know not just a couple of people, not just for some customers, but you know a large amount of people at a time. So that. Like, honestly, like, that's a panel I want to, like, clip out and make it bigger and hang that up in the classroom because I think those are pivotal awards. I mean, if if he could take somebody who's butch, who has every reason to hate the system and think the world's against them and screw it, mm-hmm. but when he says it, because you're right, it's like, I can't do anything to you. You know, there's no evidence. I can't arrest you. I can't do anything. But I'm going to scold you into being a good guy. <laughs> I'm going to show you that I'm a good guy and you, too, can be a good
0: guy. Yeah, and
1: it's just like. <laughs> That was cool. Like, no, that was a great moment. That's a great story. Well, see, that goes back to what we talked about before when uh, we, we were talking about the the
0: issue of Batman where he's, he's uh, you know, uh, Catwoman is like trying to tell Bruce to be like, hey, you need to go talk to, to Clark. You need to tell him about what's going on about the wedding and stuff like that. Right. And he's like, and, and we've talked about it several times on this podcast, like that, that line where he's just like, Superman is, has the power to destroy the world, but he doesn't. And I can only imagine, that's, that's Batman, you know, coming to this conclusion. One of the smartest men on, in DC Universe, right? right? So you have this everyday petty crime crook, whatever, right? And he's just he has to deal with the fact that this guy, who essentially is a god, is standing right in front of him being like, Hey, I can't do anything to you, but you should try and be a better person.
1: Well, let's put this into some crazier context. This is, we've never seen Superman yet. That's true. This this is Action Comics number one. This is Action Comics number 1.1 or whatever. Yeah, the
0: mechanic's like, what are you talking about a guy? That doesn't make any sense.
1: So, I mean, here's a guy that you've seen on foot outrun your car, (laughs) pick up your car, bash your car, and then pick you up and hang you off a telephone line. Yeah. And now that guy comes back and says, I want you to be a good guy. (laughs) It's kind (laughs) of like... Yes, yes, I will. <laughs> I will never think an impure thought ever. <laughs>
0: so yeah, you're absolutely right. That's uh, it's, it's, it's the implications from that story alone is just is is incredible.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's very. It was a great one, honestly. Like that, that was definitely a, a top contender for me. Like I, I hate this that it's it's tough because like I'm not sure which one to pick. Not that you um, need to pick. There doesn't need well, no, to but, be a, a best
0: but, uh, one, but just like the, that one kind of just stuck with me.
1: But I guess the one that, because I, I really, I, I sat down, I guess I've never been this harsh on a comic as I have been with Action Comics 1000. Well, it was, like when it, I, it's a pivotal
0: one. It I know mean, what you're talking about. It. It's, I mean, this it's is going to change
1: the UPC coding. It's <laughs> true. The, the coding the has always number. been three, three digits for the issue number and then the print, the cover, and so on. So now we, we need a new digit. So, I mean, this is massive. But I guess, honestly, if, if I had to give it to it, overall, for me, Faster Than a Speeding Bullet by Brad Metzer and John Cassidy. Is, I think that's the one that gets it for me. It
0: was a very interesting issue. Like, you, you get the, the, the futility of, of Superman. Like, the way he thinks of himself, of not being fast enough, of not being able to get there in time. Yeah. Of, of I mean, he, they talk about it in other stories where he's like, I hear everything. I know everything that's going on. I can only be in one place at a time but this one this particular thing was like he needed to be there and he knows how fast he can travel yep. and he knows how fast and that was another thing like he knows the speed and the the you know he knows the model of the gun he knows the speed that the barrel the bullet's going to travel through the barrel you know he knows the down to the add second,
1: I think is what he Something said. Something to that, yeah.
0: But, yeah. So, I, I, I'm, I'm cutting you off because <laughs> this is the story you said you wanted to talk about, but I, I totally just jumped on it.
1: Well, no, but it, it was. It was beautiful because, honestly, that's the one where he sounded like – there were two of them where he sounded the most human, and, and I'll, I'll share that thought later as we go through this. But that one, he felt very human. Like, he wasn't thinking, like, well, I am Kal-El, strange visitor from another planet." <laughs> he was, I'm Clark Kent, and Superman is what I do, and I want to save this woman, and I'm trying so hard, and it's like – Oh, just that one shuttle, that that one shift. And he's like, that bought her that auto second or whatever yeah. it was. That was awesome. And, you know, he saves her. And then at the end of it, he's like, that was very brave for what you did. But I, I think maybe the moment for me was the part when he's like, this is the fastest I've ever flown, except for Pa. Right. And, like, it made me think of that issue when Pa Kent died the, the most recent time. Um, and I just was... Blown away. Well, I mean, there's there's two Paul Kent deaths that will always stick in my mind. Uh, the one during All-Star Superman, where we see Superman flying in so fast he's actually on fire. Mm. And then the, the, the Brainiac one, the, the official DCU cannon one, where Brainiac launched that missile and Paul Kent had the heart attack. And we see Superman flying as fast as he can. And it grounds Superman, but it also makes me, like like you said, it's, it's not necessarily self-doubting, but it shows that... We all, like, it's okay to feel that way sometimes. Like, I might not, but I still got to try. Right. And I think that was just such a Superman thought. It was so good. And and John Cassidy, his art's good, Um, so that was just more icing on the cake for it. But yeah, but let's 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 walk through this one. Let's talk about this story. Um, so like we like we mentioned, there were eleven stories in this one. So we, the first one we get is by Dan Jurgens. Uh, he was writer and artist, so he had an assist with Norm Rapman. I have to say, that was just beautiful art. Uh, this was the story called "From the City That Has Everything." What were your initial thoughts on it? So I thought that it was I thought it was really clever. I thought it was a
0: great way for them to one like I said it's it's um it's it's it's, it's goodbye to Dan Gertgens because he's been on action yeah. for so long. So it was it was the I thought the whole like Lois like trying to strategize or get, you know <laughs> keep him in this one area for so long because he need he, she wants him to be um to accept this gratitude from the people of Metropolis that he constantly says and they love him. Like, the one thing I didn't like about the issue was, like, how the crowd... They kept showing the crowd getting unruly. Like, we're Superman. We want Superman. Superman should be here. <laughs> it's like... I'm like, that's... I mean, maybe that's... That's probably what Dan Jurgens was trying to do is, like, the, show the ugliness of our obsessions or something like that. But it's just, like, this is supposed to be a day of celebration and these people are getting upset because Superman's not there when they know his one of his... I mean his sole purpose is to save people like he's probably off saving somebody and he was mere pages before he shows up there he's he's fighting the Kund uh, you know up in uh, in space kind of thing so I just thought it was it was great especially the so the part when Wonder Woman shows up to talk to to Superman uh, she calls him Clark though.
1: I laughed at that, yeah. Like here we are in the middle of everyone. She's like Clark, and I was like,
0: whoa. <laughs> and, and but to me, and to me, and maybe it's just the more recent, you know, or the more recent times that I've read it. I always liked it better when Wonder Woman calls her calls him Cal. Like I like that because it shows that she sees that version of Superman. You know, the right. the strange visitor from another planet, the the one that you know he it's. It's kind of like that's the personality for him to her, as opposed to Clark is Lois's you know version of of Superman, and then the rest of the world sees Superman kind yeah. of thing.
1: Well, and I like that too because it's true. Like everybody else may have like it's funny because we always get these like stories that are pre pre packaged and stuffed into the timeline. So it's like, well, Bruce and Clark always met as young boys and whatnot, but I've never really seen them do that with Wonder Woman and Superman. It's always they met when they were Wonder Woman and Superman, right? So it's like, yeah, she doesn't see this Clark Kent guy. She does. She sees Kal El. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's that's a good point. And and I did feel a little off. I thought that in my mind, I was like, wouldn't she technically have just said Kal? Yeah. See,
0: it, it it seemed very weird for her to say Clark to me. Like it, I don't know. It just rubbed me the w- weird way.
1: No, I felt you there. It got me as well. <laughs> so, what'd you think
0: of all the all the all the heroes on stage? I assume the the invader invasion invaders were already taken care of, but they they were you know they all showed up to be like, "Hey, we love you too," kind of thing.
1: You know i I liked it. I, I, I always love group scenes, and especially if Dan Jergens is drawing a group scene, because all I do is I sit there and I'm like naming the heroes. And I thought it was funny that the new age of heroes were in there. Like, I definitely I could identify sideways some of the others. I was like, I don't know who the hell they are. But I thought that I was like, oh, here's DC. Like, yeah, you could do a group splash, but we need these four characters, yeah. <laughs> and you're going to put them in there. But it was neat to see John Jones back in and again, and, and some of the others, you know, Green Lanterns were it, there. It was so,
0: yeah, I, I remember seeing uh, both uh, Jessica and, and Simon, but. Like, I don't know why, but when I first looked at that splash page, the first character that popped out to me was Arsenal. Like, I was like, I don't know (laughs) why, but Arsenal just really popped out to me. And
1: not to say that he wouldn't be there, but it just seemed like, huh, Arsenal, okay. Well, you're right. I mean, like, really, like, Arsenal to Superman, it's through a connection. Like, okay, he gets in there because of Nightwing, or he gets in there because of Green Arrow. Right. He doesn't get in there because of himself. Like, I can't really think of the two interacting. Like, maybe, okay, maybe during Brad's brad Meltzer's jail when he was red, red arrow red kind arrow. of thing but
0: yeah but that's does that's non-existent now <laughs> does that count or not i don't know <laughs> uh okay so uh i mean was there any other thoughts you well, had on okay so
1: i mentioned earlier the, the there were two stories that made superman seem very human this is the one like he just was so adamant of like I'd rather fight an invasion than go have people shower with me with accolades. Yeah, that was so and, weird. so funny. Yeah, you know, I mean, I thought it was neat, and but that's that's definitely a Dan, a Dan Jergens thing, I think. Because mm-hmm. um, some of my favorite Superman stories was Metropolis Melbag, uh, and that one I always go backwards because the obviously the death of Superman was a, a major milestone in our origins of comic books, and. I always remember Metropolis Mailbag 2 when the heroes gathered because of the funeral. And they went to the post office and they were reading the mail. And basically they helped Mitch get his parents back (laughs) together and build the house. And I thought, oh, that was so cool. And I noticed it was called Metropolis Mailbag 2. So finally, you know, when you could do more research and I found out there was a Metropolis Mailbag. And Superman, like I read that issue. I can't think of the number off the top of my head. But anyway, Superman goes and he, like he was, he was like, I hate this. It's like, what? And I mean, for me, it was big because my dad's a mailman. So I'm like, this is so cool. This is a great personal connection. And he's like, yeah, I hate doing it because these people are going to ask for things that I can't do. And in the end, he does them. Mm Mm-hmm you know he does these amazing things and again like i said i think that's just dan jurgens like he must have been raised very like <laughs> in a bashful manner or something like that you know it's like here's your first place trophy congratulations um i'll just set off to yeah <laughs> i'll get this later but i mean it definitely had a lot of the signatures of dan jurgens it did i didn't even i didn't realize it until you said it but you it did have that goodbye feeling to it um but yeah it was it was a great story i enjoyed it um And I just like to, like I said, that was one of the two stories that really made Superman feel human for me. I guess just because of the context of where they were and what they were doing. But, yeah, I appreciated that one.
0: And I want to say that the the Maggie Sawyer part of that story where she gets up on stage to talk about, you know, how she's grateful for Superman, too. But I liked how she starts off the thing with, like, you know, I'm the head of the science police department or science police division. And we can take care of ninety nine point nine percent of all the problems (laughs) in Metropolis. But that one, you know, that point one percent we need Superman and we're happy that he's here. It's like, that is a good way to put, to look at it. Cause you know, I, there's lots of times in, in this, in Superman story that where he's like, I can't just step in and like, and, and stop things from happening. I the people need to know how to do it on for themselves kind of thing. You know, I have to let them deal with it or else I just come, I'm just coming in and, and, and placating them kind of thing, you know, making it so that they, they don't think to, to help themselves anymore. And and I like that, you know. It's,
1: yeah, no, I thought it was neat that it's they don't feel like we're like it's like the Gotham City Police Department, like what the hell you guys you what are you what the hell are you doing here? But <laughs> you know, I like the way she phrased that. It's like we can do pretty much everything, but the extreme stuff. You yeah. Know? Like when Mixelplik comes along, yeah, we can't handle. <laughs> what that, am I gonna
0: do about that? You know, yeah. When Darkseid invades with the the rest of Apocalypse, I, I'm kind of out of my element. Like, so we'll hold him at bay until Superman <laughs> comes. That's about all we can. Yeah.
1: But I thought it was neat that, yeah, they don't feel like they're stepped on or invalid. They still hold their own, Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: So uh, let's jump to Bendis' Welcome to the Party, Pal.
1: Yep, so The Truth by Brian Michael Bendis and Jim Lee. So,
0: I mean, it definitely, I mean, the best way to put it is it starts with a bang. You got Superman being punched through or hit through several buildings and then landing in a coffee shop.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But I will say, what a credit to Jim Lee's art. Like, that moment when Superman is like, so what's your name? I didn't catch your name. And he's like, I know what you're doing. Earthling, you're star- stalling. Kryptonian, you're stalling. <laughs> and he winds up punching him. And Superman's going full throttle. And he's like, eh, stop. Yeah, and he- like he's right by that glass image. I was looking at the reflection. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. Look at that. You know, like. And I'm sitting, here thinking, like, here's this beautiful page, and I'm looking at the reflection and be like, wow, he did a good job. Like, I was even looking in the window, and you could see some of the people, like, oh, you yeah. know, like reacting, like we just got hit. <laughs> <laughs> even to like, there's uh, characters
0: in that in that store, that restaurant, or whatever it is, that have you know writing on the t-shirts, and it's like, it's it's <laughs> that fucking clear. So it's it, it his art is is spectacular, yeah. and uh, but that's. So that's the biggest implication I think with this issue or this particular story of the issue. Uh, we have this new character created, uh, czar, I believe is his last name or something. Something like that. They're calling him czar. Uh, he is now taking credit for the destruction of Krypton and all the Kryptonians. He even says at one point drop Jor-El. Jor-El. Yeah. He says, I I told this to your father, Jor-El when, uh, when I saw him and now I'm going to do it to you. And, uh, you know, where does this, where do you think, I mean, what, best way to put it, what is Brian Michael Bendis thinking? He's, he's tampering with the
1: origin of, of Superman. Yeah. I mean, like, and, uh, it's one of those things, like, I, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to hate it because obviously I'm going to buy Man of Steel. <laughs> I'm going to be excited. You're going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to do it. But it's one of those things, like, I always hate that it's like, Every time, I mean, I mean, I get it. Could you imagine, you know, like, hey, Mitch, you have the keys to the kingdom. Superman's your character to write. You're going to put something into that. It's your staple. Oh, you yeah. Know? And I will, and again, I, I'm totally, you know, gushing over Dan Juergens. At least Dan Juergens came in and he's like, it's doomsday. It's not somebody who, like, <laughs> destroyed Krypton. But then it turns out he was Kryptonian. But, yeah. but it's one of those things where it's like, I laugh cuz every time somebody gets a chance it's like well let's put this and you know now, now I that just, I can
0: be part of the mythology you know yeah, yeah you know
1: and I'm looking at this character I'm like fuck this guy <laughs> I don't
0: I don't like the des- I don't like the design of the character I I'm, I'm going to say that right now I just don't oh. like his look it's I this don't. weird half burned like weird like hair thing going on it's just to me superman villains they have this very uh, well, smooth, solid look like. Yeah, even Parasite looks better than that. Yeah, guy. exactly. You know, and that's that's what, it, you know, Luther has that calm demeanor. Parasite has that uh, uh, solid look. Um, Mixy split. He's probably the most on the other end of the spectrum, but this guy's even further. Like for me, oh okay. yeah. So, so I I don't know. I just don't like the look of him, but um. With the whole origin of 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 uh, Superman and the the, you know, the the death of Krypton, I mean, obviously, the way I look at the origin or of the the death Kry- the, the explosion of Krypton, however you want to put it now, to me, and I know this wasn't what it was originally, but Brainiac is involved in that. You know, like he came in, he he told them that no, you don't have to worry about anything. I I got this handled for you guys. You know, they relied on him, and then uh jor like no he's doing something to the earth's core it's not good for us and then eventually he he takes candor and he blows up the rest of krypton to me that's the worst story now like i said i know that was brainiac wasn't a part of it originally
1: i think that was the animated series i think that was i loved that one yeah honestly like that uh those what is it two or three episodes Those were the best. Yeah. And I love how it tied in. You know, it's like there's your plot for a movie because you get Metallo, you get Lex Luthor, and you get Brainiac. Mm -hmm. Three people that can stand up to Superman. So we do get those cool, awesome fights. We don't have to worry about you know snapping necks and making Superman look angry. <laughs> like that's the best origin of Superman, and you can do it right. And you don't have to, He doesn't have to fight Batman. You <laughs> don't have to fight Batman in any of that. Yep, exactly.
0: So uh, yeah. So now you're gonna have it. I, I mean, they. I don't know if the Brainiac will be included in uh, Bendis' new origin of, of the death of Krypton or not. But you know, it's he's gonna be in there somehow. He keeps referring to it as he's the plague that killed the Kryptonians. So. Is it going to be a viral thing? Was he a scientist at some point? Is this Joxer? Or, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, what was this
1: character? Yeah. And, well, I just, like, it's so... I mean, like, I, I guess I understand it now. I remember, like, when I was a kid and some of the uh, the older fans like... Fuck this Bane. Fuck this Doomsday. Who are these guys to step in and do this to our characters? And now here I am, like, whatever the Zah is. like Zarr. Screw this guy. Who's he to step <laughs> in on my Superman origins and tell me what's going on? You're too new, kid. Get out of here. Go take your rocks elsewhere. <laughs> and I just laugh at that because I'm like, oh, man, I've hit that point of fandom now. You have. But I don't know. I guess, yeah, like, just his design. Like, Jim Lee. Has a style. He does have a style. You know, he's got a style. And I'm like, that's an ugly character. And I don't know if that's what they're going for. And then to hear Bendis be like, I guess when he was having his problem with his eyes, one of the doctors who was helping him, he's like, oh, I'm totally going to make you a Superman villain. And I don't know if this is that's unique. the villain or something. Like something I, down the line? Yeah, maybe something down the line. Because obviously some of these stories were in the can earlier. But I'm just laughing. And I'm kind of like, what the hell? And I don't know. I mean... That what a lucky character to pop in first appearance is Action Comics 1000 like, right. that's a turd of a character but what luck
0: <laughs> so uh, in Man of Steel when we get that book is it going to be also uh, 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 illustrated by Jim Lee uh,
1: in maybe like it's actually uh, so and this is I'm glad you asked so, so if you're going to be a fan so you pick up Action Comics 1000 today and you're like this is awesome I want to see what Bendis is going to do don't sell yourself short so this is basically part zero or you know, the precursor or whatever to right. Man of Steel. So Man of Steel is going to be where it all happens when Bendis takes over the books. But the first Wednesday of May, I want to say the third, I think, um, there's going to be a book called DC Nation Zero, and there's going to be another chapter of Man of Steel in there. And then May thirtieth is when Man of Steel number one launches, and it'll be a six part mini. Um, there's going to be artists on each one, so I guess Jim Lee gets this, if I remember correctly. On the DC Nation Zero, it'll be Jose Garcia, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, and then after that, it's going to be other artists, so like Doc Shatner. Um, I think Mitch Gerards might be one of them. Like some real good talent on there. But I think that was Jim Lee's part. I think that's all he's got. Okay. So yeah, it won't be one continual artist. It'll be a, a murder's row of newer artists and whatnot. And I mean, it, they're good artists, but it's a shame I'd rather it be one volume, one right, tome, yeah. one style. And
0: what I think that is, I mean, it sounds real cool. It's like, oh, Brand- Bendis comes in and he's getting all these different artists to, to help him out make this book. What I really think it is is that you know, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago that they announced Bendis was coming over to DC. So it was like, hey, we want you to write this thing, and you're going to be writing Superman. So write as you know, write the stories as fast as you can. Uh, we'll just throw in a whole bunch of different artists so that they can all be working at yep. the same time. That way, we don't delay anything, kind of stuff. So uh, I think that's I think that's what what happened here.
1: Honestly, I think you're hitting the nail, the, the the nail on the head, head because the, the head on the yeah some you're no hitting, you were right the first time okay haha, <laughs> <head. laughs> <laughs> no, but. You know, I I would be very curious to see, like, what does a a, a normal comic book script look like? And then what does a Bendis one look like? That's a good good question. Like, I I feel like he writes a lot of the background. I'm sure he gives a lot of freedom to the artist. But it's like his dialogues, he could probably be like, here's two pages and here's all my dialogue. And there we go. I'm not trying to sell him short. Obviously, he's very wonderful at what he does. But I'm like, what does a Bendis script look like? Because you're right. I mean, it's kind of like... You know, it's not like, obviously, there had been some talks prior, but, I mean, I I can't see this being more than, like, January where they were like, okay, you're coming over, here we go. And, yeah, it's like he's coming over, and it's like he's already got, boom, Action Comics 1000, DC Nation Zero, Man of Steel 6 part, and then he's going to launch off into Superman in action. And, I mean, even when he was at uh, Marvel Comics, I mean, he was pumping out Avengers books like nothing. And you kind of look at that, and it's like, Man, for this guy to write like three to four scripts a month, mm-hmm. what the hell's he do? Yeah. You know. So, like I said, I'm I'm kind of curious. Like, what does a a script look like? And you're right; that's exactly what they did. It's like, well, we want to keep that momentum going, so <laughs> let's take we'll take the scripts and six issues, six artists, and there we go. And they're they're all working at the same time, kind of thing. So, yep.
0: yeah. Uh, so, th- we could be talking about Action Comics oh, yeah. One Thousand for hours.
1: Uh, If you want to hear us talk. Oh, wait, hold on. Before we sign off, I want to ask you one quick question because I always find this one fascinating. So on your mantle, on your shelf, what is the book that represents the origin of Superman for you? Oh, man. We've got tons. We've got Secret Identity. uh, We've got. Secret Origin. Secret Origin. That's the one for me right now. Yeah, the the Jeff Johns, Gary Frank. one. Right, yeah. I like that one. Um, Gary Frank. I was really hoping Gary Frank would have been on this book. He draws that. Yes, yes. That Christopher Reeves. Yeah, Superman. Yeah. I, I'm so blown away that he didn't.
0: Birthright, also. Birthright. Yeah. The Birthright was a great book. Right?
1: Uh, Leon Francis Yu. Yeah. 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 That's a great one. For me, I go, and then I guess I go a step further. I go back one more. It was Man of Steel. Yeah. That one's I, always yeah, been Man the one. Yeah. This is a great one. Like if, if there was a burning build or there was a fire and I, I could only say one of my origins of Superman, that's the one that I always get. But I will say, um, I really did enjoy the Superman Earth 1 stuff. Those come very close at, at heart to being what I think of Superman. Like, for some reason, they gave me a vibe of Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. Oh, yeah. Like, I just kind of had that Dean Kane, Like, I always remember when he was talking on the phone in the apartment and walking around the <laughs> ceiling and whatnot. I don't know. Just because I guess there were moments where that Superman would be talking to his mom on the phone. Right. I don't know. It just triggered something on there. So, yeah. But that's a good one. Jeff Johns, uh, Gary Frank, Superman, Secret Origin. That was a fun one.
0: It was. Yeah. So- uh, like I said, if we wanted, if you wanted to hear us talk more about uh, Action Comics 1000, we are holding a round table at our local comic book store here in Yuma, Arizona. If you have the chance, you should come come by Sunday, 2 pm, uh, be a part of the conversation, see, uh, you know, we're gonna be talking about Superman 80 years of him uh what you know what you like what you don't like what you thought of the issue 1000 i mean that's the centerpiece of the the conversation here we're going to we're going to be talking it up and you know having a good time if you can't make it to that make sure you listen next wednesday when you know your comic book new comic book day comes out we'll we'll have the the episode up there with all of our guests to talk about it um also before we we sign off i'd like to say thank you to Mission Viejo Library Comic-Con for inviting us to come out there and be a part of that we got to talk to a lot of amazing people and as well as Marv Wolfman. Marv Wolfman yeah, that, legendary writer.
1: That was and a cool moment. Uh writer, right. Just writer? I, th- yeah. I thought he did some art too. Not that I'm aware of. No? I didn't okay. I didn't see anything when I was reading through, but yeah. No, Marv has been a, a great a great writer and a great editor, and he's done a lot of stuff that I didn't even know. Like it was funny because I mentioned this when I was talking with him, but Disney Adventures. I don't know if you ever Bought that when you were younger mm. or whatnot. Uh, somehow my dad stumbled upon it, and so he bought me this. And it was a little digest, like the size of a TV guidebook, and it was just nothing but interviews and and little cartoons and stuff like that. And it was neat, you know. It would come into the mail monthly. I always thought it was the greatest book ever. Uh, the first issue had Rick Moranis on it, so it very much <laughs> screams late '80s, early '90s and whatnot. Right. But yeah, he was the uh, he was one of the editors on that. So I mean, the guy reached me. In other comics before he reached me in mainstream stuff, so yeah, it was great to sit down and talk to him and and just talk comics, talk comics. There yeah, you go, so Mission so, Viejo comic, Mission Viejo Library. Thank you. It was beautiful. Uh, you guys did fantastic with the weather and everything else. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it was a great time. Uh, if you have the opportunity to make it out there next year, you should. Yes. So, with all that being said, if you would like to talk to us about what we talked about today, you should find me on Twitter as Michipedia G-E-R Chris is also on Twitter as Stuff I should say should being spelled S-H-U-D The rest of Geek Elite Radio is at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter at Geek Elite Radio on Instagram Facebook.com forward forward slash Geek Elite Radio is our Facebook page and Geek Elite Radio.com is our website Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Radio Network But until next time this is Imagine If on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying always remember to Geek geek out. Out!
1: We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.